This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with a ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome to Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric. First of all, let me wish you a belated Merry Christmas. Hope you've had a joyous and festive holiday season. Time to share with your loved ones, your friends and family. This was a little different for my family. You know, I mentioned my dad a bunch lately. Passed away back in April. So we're knocking out a lot of the firsts. This was the first Christmas without him. We had the first Thanksgiving without him. My parents' first wedding anniversary without him. You know, a lot of those things that are difficult, but hopefully will get easier over the course of time. I know one thing. He would be excited as hell. He'd be just absolutely ecstatic to see what Illinois men's basketball is doing. Brad Underwood's team has given us plenty to cheer about, plenty to celebrate lately, including most recently a tremendous win over Mizzou, a bragging rights beatdown this past week. Plenty to discuss regarding that. Also share some of our predictions for 2024. But also some football news to share. It was National Signing Day last week. Illinois reeling in a pretty impressive class. Also getting some impressive additions in the transfer portal. So I'll go through some of those notable names as well and give you some of the things you can see and read at thechampagneroom.com. Before that, though, Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. Support the movement. Go to Liddyville.com and purchase officially licensed Fighting Illini merchandise. They have a player alumni line where you can not only support current Illinois student-athletes, but also alumni organizations and charities as well. Liddyville.com is the spot. Again, L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. Well, hey, why not start things off by talking about bragging rights? An absolute masterpiece against Missouri on Friday night. Illinois just crushing Mizzou. 97-73. Never a doubt. Illinois led by 25 at the half. Mizzou shot just 24% in the first half. They were 1 out of 13 from 3. Just a dominant effort start to finish. Like I said, the game never in doubt. A nice way to exorcise the demons of last year's game, and which was kind of a mirror image of it. Mizzou trucking Illinois 
last season by 22. Illinois at one point was down 35 in that game last year. So terrific bounce back performance. And this was pointed out earlier in the week leading up to bragging rights. Brad Underwood had not fared very well in this rivalry was two and four entering Friday's game. 2017, Illinois won 70-64. That was Brad Underwood's first year in Champaign, first foray into the Bragging Rights game. Then the Illini dropped three in a row, 18, 19, and 20. Had a blowout win in 2021, a 25-point win. Then they lost by 22, and then this time around, they get the W by 24. So a lot of laughers lately in this series. Illinois on the right end of it this time around. And, man, again, just an incredible performance overall. But this was mainly about Terrence Shannon Jr. And showing all of the tricks in the bag. 30 points, 11 rebounds. 20th straight double-digit scoring game. He's showing why he is one of the best players in the country. I know Zach Eady is going to be the favorite for National Player of the Year, but that conversation has to have TSJ in it. No question about that. One of the best two-way players in the country. He does it on both ends. And he's so explosive when he runs downhill and attacks the rim. He's almost indefensible. And you couple that with his improved shooting. He's still at a 50% clip for the year. I think it's like 51.3. And he's about 41% from three. That's a devastating combination. And he is playing like a first-team All-American. He is demonstrating why he was a target of Illinois for years, and Illinois certainly happy to have him now. Wouldn't be anywhere near the same team without that. You know, These are the players you need in March. You need players that can take over the game, players that are seemingly unstoppable, other than Edie, I don't know who else in the Big Ten really exemplifies that. So those are the two top guys right now for Conference Player of the Year and perhaps National Player of the Year also. But Quincy Garrier showed out on Friday night as well. 28 points, a career high for him. Eight rebounds also. He is rounding into form. I know he had that wrist issue to start the year. It hampered him a bit. Uh, but he has become a viable second option. We thought it was Marcus Damask. He's struggled ever since the FAU game. He's not quite been the same guy, but Quincy Garrier has emerged, and you're not going to get those guys combining for 58 every game, just like you weren't going to have Marcus Damask and TSJ combined for 66 every night, but It's really nice to see other guys stepping up. Shannon exploding, but then other guys like Garrier, Damask, stepping up as well. 
Coleman Hawkins looking healthy. So he's getting right. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, and a block against Mizzou. That phrase, Swiss Army Knife, gets played out. It's overused, but that's, that is Coleman Hawkins' role. He can play all five positions. We've seen that. He can score from all three levels. He's a great defensive player and just had to clear up some of those boneheaded plays, had to cut down on that. And Robbie Hummel commented on that as well, that Coleman Hawkins will have this spot in the game where he will force up a bad shot, but then he won't take a good look when he's open. He's, He's cut back on those types of plays. And if you can get 15 and 7 out of Coleman Hawkins every game, that's lights out, period. Damask did have 10 points the other night, but 0 for 7 from 3, he's really struggling to find his shot. If he can get his rhythm back, if he can get some of that going, he's a threat, certainly. Ty Rogers doesn't do much offensively, but... He is such a weapon. He's such a great defensive player. He's tenacious, tough. Only had four points on Friday, but nine rebounds and six offensive rebounds. To that end, Illinois out-rebounded Mizzou 51-35, to and the Illini had 16 offensive rebounds as well. So tons of second-chance opportunities. A lot of Illinois shots went in, but when they missed, they were there to collect those rebounds and get those second opportunities. Mizzou just looked lifeless kind of about midway through the first half. It was like, yep, it's not our night. (laughs) Let's just kind of get this over with. Illinois really surged about midway through that first half, seized control, and never gave it back. And that is a good sign moving forward. Now, Mizzou is not a great team this year. Last year's Mizzou team was pretty good. Um, some of those teams that had beaten Illinois previously you know, had some good players, and some of them were former <laughs> Illinois players or former Illinois recruits. Um, but just a, a high-level rivalry hasn't been very competitive in recent years. But we did find out that it's been extended through the 2029 season. So at least six more years of Mizzou versus Illinois. It's good for the sport. It's good for the region. A lot of recruits are being courted by both schools. You've got that geographic tie-in. And in this day and age, there's not a lot of rivalries anymore because of realignment and restructuring it's great to see just a good old-fashioned regional rivalry that means something to both universities both programs both coaching staffs obviously tsj wanted to win this game (laughs) he did not want to go out on that note like he did last year he wanted to make sure he was hoisting that bragging rights trophy and Illinois is going to be bragging about this one for quite some time. And in the words of our own Kyle Towska at the Champagne Room, it is time to take this team 
seriously. Illinois is built for the long haul. Again, you, you can only take away so much from a game, uh, from a victory against a Missouri team that isn't that great. But the way they executed in this game, the way they finally, we've been waiting for them to finally put a team away, play 40 minutes of connected basketball, and they've done that. And Brad Underwood said as much in the postgame presser that this team plays together. This team is not about egos or agendas. It's about winning. And winning uplifts everybody. Winning benefits everyone on the team. It's not about stats. It's not about me, me, me. It's about playing together as a group. And it's been fun to watch. This whole season's really been fun to watch. And we could not say that all the time last year. We had a couple of fleeting moments, a couple of glimpses of it. But overall, this season has been super fun, very enjoyable. And they look like a team that can do some damage in March. That was, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, the FAU game. That was one of the most fun games I've seen in a while. This was fun and also incredibly satisfying. (laughs) It's like a really good meal, like a really good cheeseburger, a really good pizza, you know? Like you just, you crave it and you, you bite into it and you're just like, oh yeah. That's everything I was hoping for. That's what that win was on Friday night. I bet you didn't think you'd get that comparison, right? <laughs> didn't think I'd be comparing a basketball game to a cheeseburger or a pizza, but I think you get the gist. I think you understand the analogy there. An extremely satisfying, comforting win and a lot of confidence in this team heading into the rest of the season, at least uh, heading into Big Ten play. But I, I know I speak for a lot of us at the Champagne Room, a lot of Illini fans, when uh, we're already buckled in. We're expecting big things. Optimism is high. And, and that's okay. We might, be, we might be a little too high in the clouds right now, but I'd rather be like that, wouldn't you? I'd rather be like that than have this just sense of dread overcoming me every single time I watch Illinois fighting Illini basketball. Maybe it's just me. (laughs) Uh, But you can read Kyle's piece. We have a ton of bragging rights recaps and coverage. Check it out at thechampagneroom.com. Definitely worth a read if you want to brag and brag and brag and brag and brag some more. Woo! Yeah, it's hard to believe the year is almost over. I feel like the calendar has just flown by. We are almost at the end of non-conference play in men's basketball. Obviously talked about Mizzou quite a bit earlier, but one game left on the non-conference schedule, and that is Fairleigh Dickinson. That's coming up on the 29th. Illinois takes care of business against the Knights. If they dispatch of FDU, they're going to wrap up their non-conference season 9-2. and two. And those only two losses coming to a top five Marquette team and a top 15 Tennessee team. Tennessee game was on the road. 
not too shabby. Have a blowout win over Mizzou in a meaningful game, a non-conference rivalry game, and then you take down FAU at Madison Square Garden. That win's looking better and better with each passing day. FAU knocking off Arizona over the weekend. So a big-time win for the Owls. And again, that's going to increase Illinois' clout and boost their resume as we head into March. Still a ways to go. Not even in Big Ten play yet, except for the one game against Rutgers a few weeks ago. But gotta love where Illinois is at right now. I don't think you could have drawn it up much better. Maybe beating Marquette at home. But other than that, they've passed every test so far that you could give them. Terrence Shannon Jr. looking like an absolute monster. A lot of depth on the roster with Hawkins and Garrier, Luke Goody, Marcus Damask, Justin Harmon's like the fifth or sixth guy off the bench on this team. And they've really shown that depth. You got freshmen, very talented freshmen like Hansberry and Gibbs Lawhorn that are just kind of stashed away. There's been a lot of talk about Brandon Pajimski lately. That's what it reminds me of. You got two very talented freshmen who are stuck behind talented upperclassmen who've proven a little bit more over the course of time. Not saying they won't be important figures. And we might see Illinois hoisting some hardware again. But it's been damn fun to watch this group. And maybe we're drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Maybe we're getting a little excited. But hey, I'd rather feel that way than the way we felt about 12 months ago. And Brant Dolce dives into this at thechampagneroom.com. Uh, referring to Brad Underwood's success, how he's sort of figured out the formula to this point. And Brant talks about some of those players I mentioned, Harmon and Hansberry. Gibbs Lawhorn certainly talks about Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon as well. But essentially laying out the possibilities for Illini basketball and how last year feels like it was 10 years ago. Things have changed that drastically, that rapidly. We're about a year removed from that infamous Penn State game where Brad Underwood made the flatulent noises in the press conference talking about no leadership and players not stepping up. And if the coach has to be the leader, they're going to be in trouble. You know, we had the Sky Clark fiasco and the Matthew Meyer issue of the week. <laughs> Whether it's his diet or his consumption of caffeine or his video game habits, <laughs> his interactions with Brad Underwood, like you name it. It's night and day different. It's a polar opposite from last season. The vibes are really good. If we're doing a vibe check, last year the vibes at this time were very morose. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of happy thoughts 
about Illinois. We, a lot of us were happy just to see the season come to an end, to just be done with all the drama. No drama this year. Hopes are high. Optimism is, I don't want to say an all-time high, but certainly the highest it's been in a couple of years. You want to go back to that 2020-21 team with Io and Kofi and that. If you want to go back to that when they got the number one seed, optimism was really high at that point. And it's been just kind of a shrug since then. Like, yeah, they could be good, but they haven't really shown us much. They're showing it to us in spades right now. And that leads me to our predictions for 2024. A host of us at the Champagne Room put pen to paper or put fingers to keys and made some inspired predictions for 2024 as the calendar is set to turn here in a couple of days. I won't spoil it. I won't read off everything, but there were a couple of notable ones I thought were worth mentioning. I'll start with my pal Plez Honeywood. His bold prediction for the upcoming year is that one of Illinois' men's basketball assistants will leave for a head coaching job, paving the way for Orlando Antigua to come back to Champaign. That would be something. Orlando Antigua, Chin Coleman, they both left for Kentucky a few years ago. We know that Orlando Antigua was instrumental in bringing Kofi Coburn to Champaign. He's got a great recruiting touch. He's got a lot of connections both in the States and internationally. That would be a fun prediction to come true. Orlando Antigua returning. Not as head coach, but if Tim Anderson goes somewhere else, Chester Frazier I think is probably the most likely to go somewhere else, but if one of those guys leaves, hell yeah. Orlando Antigua, come on down. That'd be great. That'd be a lot of fun. And Ethan Holesha predicting that Illinois will reach the Elite Eight and TSJ will be a consensus first-team All-American. I don't know. Ethan's Ethan brings up some good stuff in, in his prediction at the Champagne Room. I think TSJ's already locked that up. I think he's... If he just plays even par, right? <laughs> if he shoots even par the rest of the season, I'm talking 20, 22 points a game, shooting around 50% from the floor, around 40% from three. If he just matches this production the rest of the year, I don't think there's any doubt about it because Illinois is going to win a ton of games, probably going to be in the mix for a big 10 championship. And then they're going to be a, a very high seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, so I, I think if he just sustains this pace he's on now, easier said than done, but if he can sustain it, I think he's a no doubt first team All-American. I don't think it's a question. And the Elite Eight, that's kind of the farthest I'm willing to go out on the ledge right now. I think this is definitely a second weekend team. I've said it multiple times that the Illini are final four good. They've got the roster in place to make a deep run. I'll be thrilled with a second weekend, of course, but an Elite Eight, a Final Four, anything certainly beyond that is just going to be... 
That's going to be titillating, man, for sure. It is going to be absolutely incredible. And there are some bolder predictions. There are some braver predictions out there at the champagneroom.com. I recommend that you read that piece and share your comments and your predictions as well. I think all of the ones that our writers shared are pretty worthwhile and could certainly come true. Dennis Gates, the Mizzou head coach, certainly thinks Illinois has Final Four potential. We know the media is very high on Illinois right now. Bracketology and all the polling and all the data would suggest that this team has what it takes. You got to get it done on the court. You got to win games. Big 10 play. We got 19 more games left in conference before we will really know for sure. But the Big Ten's kind of down this year. Purdue has done what we expected Purdue to do. Michigan State has stumbled a bit. We know they play a rigorous, a meat grinder of a schedule. That's sort of caught up to them to this point. We'll see if they can rebound and adjust and be the team that many thought they would be at the start of the year. But aside from those two teams, Illinois is right there. I mean, they could be at best a Big Ten champion. At worst, I think they'd be like fourth or fifth. I don't think they'd drop anything below that. If they continue this level of play that they're on, if they just stay focused, sky's the limit. It really is. It really is. So check out our predictions for 2024 at thechampagneroom.com, and you can share yours also. Oski Talk is sponsored by Liddyville LLC. You can pick up officially licensed Illini merchandise by visiting liddyville.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at Liddyville Gear. Again, L-I-T-T-Y-V-I-L-L-E.com. So I've talked a lot about men's basketball. We've all talked a lot about men's basketball. It's a good time to be an Illini Hoops fan, specifically on the men's side. I do want to talk a little bit about women's basketball. This season's been a bit of an enigma. Not quite the season we've expected to this point. Illinois did compete in the West Palm Beach Classic last week. They split two games. Uh, The first game, which was on the 20th, that was a 60-59 loss to Arkansas. Razorbacks edged out Illinois courtesy of a buzzer beater. So Illinois dropped to 5-5 five and five with that defeat. But it was not because of lack of effort. Illinois certainly getting contributions from multiple players, four of them in double figures. Makaira Cook led the way, 17 points and 11 rebounds, her first double-double of the season. Kendall Bostic added another double-double, 15 points and 10 rebounds. Genesis Bryant scored 12 points, played all 40 minutes, and Camille Hobby off the bench, 13 minutes, 11 points, and 5 rebounds. Again, not quite enough to get the W, and... Illinois also 0 for 8 from three-point range. Illini had hit a three-point shot in 172 consecutive games 
prior to that loss to Arkansas last week. Obviously, making one of those would have been a, a huge difference, losing by one. Uh, so Illinois, again, dropping down to 500 with that loss to the Razorbacks. They did rebound in game two of that tournament out in West Palm Beach, defeating UTEP, the Miners of Texas El Paso, 81-71. Adalia McKenzie led the way for Illinois with 19 points on 7 of 8 shooting. Genesis Bryant, again, played all 40 minutes. 17 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, one of her more complete games of the year. Makaira Cook, 17 points once again, and added 9 assists for Illinois. And Kendall Bostic, 10 points and 6 rebounds for the Fighting Illini. Camille Hobby was in the starting lineup for the first time this year. She's been putting together some really good games off the bench. Shona Green put her in the starting five. And the transfer from NC State scoring seven points and recording five rebounds in that game last Thursday. But this game was notable for another reason, kind of a, a dubious, odd footnote for this game. We know Illinois wears orange and blue. UTEP also wears orange and blue. And I don't know who is in charge of deciding who wears what, but both teams were wearing blue primary uniforms with orange numbers and orange striping. So both teams had blue uniforms with orange trim. I didn't watch the game. It was on the uh, Flow Hoops and some of us at the Champagne Room that did watch it were like, even the radio guy, the guy broadcasting in the game, had a hard time telling who was who. These were almost identical. Like, it's ridiculous. So, I don't know if that was a UTEP thing, if that was an Illinois thing. Somebody on the equipment side messed that up. Because that was brutal. Even the photos, you're like, it looks like a scrimmage. It looks like a practice. They're both wearing the same color jerseys. Uh, so just kind of a humorous footnote. Both teams donning orange and blue uniforms simultaneously. But Illinois does get the win. 81-71. They improved to 6-5 and five on the season. But they're diving into Big Ten play now. They played Michigan earlier this year, lost badly, 84-48 to in Champaign. They will travel to Bloomington, squaring off with Indiana. That's on New Year's Eve. I think that's an 11 o'clock tip, 11.30 a.m., something like that, on BTN. We outlined this way, 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 way back a few months ago prior to the season that the, the start of Big Ten play was rough. You got Michigan and Indiana right off the bat. And Illinois staring down the barrel of 0-2 in the Big Ten. And I don't think we expected that inconsistent play that we've seen so far. It seemed like, similarly to what we have seen with the men's side, that they had the roster thing figured out. You know, Makaira Cook's been injured, but she's been back for a while. You know, maybe she's trying to get back to 100%, but... You know, she's, she's been back ever since the Notre Dame game. She's been back for quite a bit. And you've had 
Genesis Bryant taking the reins as you know the alpha. She's been one of the the main playmakers. Adalia McKenzie's emerged as a good scoring option. Camille Hobby has spelled Kendall Bostic well, but they have not shown the depth that we expected them to show. Shauna Green's had a very short bench, maybe two or three players, and that's it. Haven't utilized the bench a whole lot. They have not scored very well. The offense has been broken at times, and their defense has really struggled as well. I mean, it's not Nancy Faye bad. We're not at that level. It's halfway through year two of Shauna Green. It's not, you know, panic button time. But, yeah, it's been a little surprising. Illinois has done what you'd expect a power conference team to do. They've just annihilated these smaller schools. You know, they've they kicked the crap out of St. Peter's, won by 70. They've had, you know, like a 45 or 50-point win. They've had a bunch of like 20, 25-point wins. They've done a good job of beating up on bad teams. But anyone that's remotely competitive... They've struggled against, and they, they've really had a hard time competing against those upper-tier teams that they've faced off against. So hopefully they can get things corrected. They can work out some kinks over the holiday break, a nice extended break for Shauna Green's group. Again, not competing again until December 31st, so 10 days between games. Hopefully plenty of time to get well, get healthy, and get back on track. Before I forget, I did want to touch on National Signing Day or the Early Signing Day. Brett Bielema adding 19 signees for the 2024 class, 16 prep commitments, and three junior college players. Our Ethan Halesha put together a really nice piece summarizing some of those additions, but mainly how Brett Bielema felt about the class. And I really loved this quote from Coach Bielema. He said, to me, they're all five stars when they come in here. We're going to treat them like they are the best they've ever been and try to get them to a place they've never been before, unquote. So a lot of fans will get caught up in the star ratings. Like, well, there's only one four-star recruit out of these 19 guys. What do you mean you like this class? This is a very mid-class. Have you learned nothing from Illinois recently? (laughs) Devin Witherspoon, a zero-star recruit, worked his way into a top-five NFL draft pick. It's not always about the stars. So I love that mentality that Coach Bielema has. It's more about the way they fit. Of course, you want as much talent as you can bring in. But it's also important to realize some kids are late bloomers. Some kids need some development and some sharpening. And they can turn into really, really productive players down the road. Most of these guys aren't going to play as true freshmen. Some of them will. Some of them will end up being stars or all-conference players, but it doesn't always matter about the rankings of the recruits. Again, you want to stockpile talent. You want to bring as many guys as you can, but if you miss on some of these guys early, 
now we've got the transfer portal as well. And in this day and age, that's equally as important, if not more so than the prep recruiting was and is. And Brett Bielema talked about that as well. In regards to the portal, he said, I'm paraphrasing, even if these players don't come to Illinois right away, how you treat them now may come back to benefit you two to three years down the road. If you retain those relationships, you stay in communication, stay in contact. Of course, you don't want to be tampering with an existing coach, an existing staff. But if you stay connected and you set a good tone when you know these players come to visit Champaign, how you treat them in that moment could have that long-term benefit or even a short-term benefit. Maybe next year, if they go in the portal, they'll remember how they were treated. They'll remember that good impression. And maybe that'll be an attractive destination for future transfers. So I think that's spot on as well. For all the the warts, for all the criticism that Brett Bielema gets, and, and much of it's warranted based on what's happened the last year and a half he does have the recruiting part of it figured out he has done a good job of bringing in the right players for his team there's not a dearth of talent in champagne brett bielema and his staff have brought in quality athletes quality players it's just not translated on the field the way we hoped it would but Certainly bringing in high-character guys, high-quality players, and you hope that results follow. So again, 16 prep recruits signed the letters of intent. Three JUCO players signed their letters of intent. How many of them end up being impact guys? It's a lot like when you look at a farm system in baseball. MLB pipeline ranks the top, I think it's the top 30 for every organization. If 10 of those guys make it to the majors, that's a remarkable number. If you draft, I think they have a, it's a 20 round draft now. So out of those 20 guys that you draft, if you get four or five from one draft class to the majors, it's a, Hugely successful class. So if out of these 19 guys, 10 or 12 become key contributors, you applaud that. Uh, That's what you want to see. And their impact is going to be different based on position groups and who's in front of them and, and all that. But I love those quotes from Brett Bielema. You can read more about those uh, players. Ethan Halesha, again, has a really nice article up at the champagneroom.com to summarize that. Uh, our own Pless Honeywood as well does take a bit of a deeper dive regarding the 2024 class. Not going to get into all 19 of those players. Ples does that sort of... Uh, rounds it off nicely sort of what he projects what he expects from these incoming players 
Uh, he does not get into the JUCO guys or the transfer guys. I'm going to touch on that a little bit. Just some of the players that I highlighted that have committed, that have signed on the dotted line, will be joining Illinois in 2024. I want to start on the offensive line. A.J. Dennis, you, you can't have a conversation about this recruiting class without talking about A.J. Dennis, the Mount Pleasant, Michigan native, 6'5", 275, highest-rated prep recruits of the Brett Bielema regime, four-star recruit, 168th-ranked player nationally, was originally committed to Michigan State, then flipped after the Mel Tucker scandal, the changeover with the new coaching staff. He is an Illini, and he's a guy that you may be able to plug in on the interior of that offensive line day one. He's an early enrollee. He's going to be on campus in January. He's going to get some time to uh, get a head start on some of those other players. But A.J. Dennis is sort of the, the bell of the ball. He is the prized recruit, the keystone recruit of this 2024 class, at least initially. So very excited to see what he can do. Illinois has really emphasized the trenches both on the recruiting trail and in the transfer portal. So definitely a, a big-time recruit there. As is Brandon Hansen, another guy that I wanted to spotlight. Six foot six, 290 pounds from Mundelein. So an in-state prospect. He is the first player of the 2024 class to commit to Brett Bielema. Um is listed as a tackle. I think probably right tackle would be more suitable for his skill set right now. Known more for pass blocking. He's to work on the run protection a little bit, but certainly a big frame, lots to work with. Brett Bielema certainly coming from that background as a lineman and a line coach. He wants those hard-nosed bulldog type of players. Brandon Hansen. Fits that mode again, an in state product from Mundelein. On the D line, I think one of those keystone players is Eddie Turk. Now, he came in as a two way recruit, O line, D line. Looks like Illinois has him listed as a defensive lineman. He was the 550th ranked prospect nationally, but again, a good body, good frame, 6'4, 280 out of LaGrange, Illinois, plays for Lions Township. He's got family ties to the program. His high school coach, John Butcher, former Illinois quarterback as well. So uh, certainly some connections there that were helpful in getting Eddie Turk to Champaign. Um, he could be one of those impact athletes on either side of the line. So I think Illinois has done a good job of addressing the offensive side, but they need some impact on the D-line with Keith Randolph, with Johnny Newton leaving, Denzel Daxon leaving. They needed some, some immediate help on that side. And I think Eddie Turk is a guy that's going to get some reps right away. They're going to try to make him a thing. They're going to try to make Eddie Turk 
an impact player from day one. So he'll get a chance to work with the coaching staff. You know, Charlie Bullen's got a good reputation for coaching D linemen in the NFL. So, um, and then uh, Terrence Jamison as well. So uh, I think they're going to be happy with, with Eddie Turk being on the defensive side of the line for sure. Switching to offense, another guy that might be overlooked a bit from this class is Tyshawn Griffin. He's an athlete slash wide receiver out of Morgan Park from Chicago. Rated number 509 overall. So one of the higher rated prospects in the class for the Illini. Similar build to Isaiah Williams. Compact, dynamic playmaker. Kind of slight right now, 5'11", 165. Not sure if that will keep him off the field or not, but certainly that slippery, speedy athlete that you need. Uh, And he can be that underneath threat where you have guys like Pat Bryant or Canary Wiltshire or Malik Elzey that can be more of the downfield weapons. Ashton Hollins as well. Um, So he, he fits more of the type of an Isaiah Williams. Maybe a slot receiver return man kind of a guy but again love seeing those in-state kids stay home stay at illinois and i think he is going to be a guy that could see some some time early as well and of course you can't talk about those impact freshmen on offense without bringing up khalil valentine rated 396 overall running back out of Arizona. So, again, not not territory that Illinois usually treads when recruiting. So that was sort of a wow when he first committed to Illinois. And then I think we were kind of waiting for a flip, and it never happened. So he does sign his NLI with Illinois. He's going to be coming in. I think you could pair him with Caden Fagan right away. No more Reggie Love. He's in the portal. You got Aiden Lawfrey. He showed you a little bit. Josh McCray has had some injury issues. I think Khalil Valentine has got a great combination of speed, agility. Caden Fagan's more of that smash mouth, big bodied running back. They're going to complement each other, I think, very, very well. And it could be a deadly dynamic backfield in Champaign as early as next season. Really looking forward to seeing Khalil Valentine. Probably more excited about him than any of these additional players that Illinois has bringing in. But got to talk about the QB spot as well. Got to show some love to Trey Petty, the quarterback from Starkville, Mississippi. One of the relatively early commits in this class he committed over the summer remained committed to illinois though Ole miss and his hometown mississippi state bulldogs did beckon stayed true to his commitment to barry lunny jr in the fighting illini of course trey petty also a high school teammate of current starting qb luke altmeyer so that's another thing you had to think about with that roster maneuvering. Like, 
if Luke Altmeyer were to go elsewhere, Trey Petty likely went elsewhere also. And, you know, Trey Petty is that dynamic, I said that word a lot, but he is that kind of two-way explosive athlete that a lot of Big Ten teams are bringing in. Or I should say the the new generation of the Big Ten is bringing in. Teams like USC, UCLA, Oregon, Washington. Those are the kind of quarterbacks they have. Guys that can extend plays, that can make things happen with their feet as well as their arm. Trey Petty was Mr. Football in Mississippi, led his team to the playoffs. A very, very successful prep quarterback and really intriguing prospect. Illinois has got a couple of intriguing QB prospects, but uh, I think Trey Petty is sort of the key to unlocking a lot of what Barry Lunny wants to do. If you look at those UTSA teams, Frank Harris, dual threat quarterback, very dangerous runner, but a very good thrower as well can make plays down the field with his arm, but can take off and run and be a very potent weapon. Luke Altmeyer, similar. Trey, Trey Petty's smaller than Luke Altmeyer, but Luke Altmeyer's got that same mentality. He can make plays with his feet. If a play isn't there, he's not just going to do a check down. He can make defenders miss, improvise a little bit, and create havoc we've seen that i mean he led illinois in rushing three different times in 2023 so luke altmeyer is the qb right now but trey petty who was a backup of his in high school could follow that same path in champagne really want to see what trey petty can do not sure if we'll see him in 2024 you might see a uh, a cal swanson or a donovan leary inherit that number two spot not quite sure yet. Maybe Illinois gets another guy in the portal to compete with Altmeyer, but Trey Petty, a guy I'm definitely going to have my eyes on heading into 2024. So just a couple of guys that I wanted to spotlight from this new class. Again, National Signing Day, the early signing period starting on the 20th, and our own Plez Honeywood and Zeno Joe have some updates on those players as well at the champagneroom.com. You get the full list and uh, some more in-depth profiles of those prep signees. Want to spotlight a couple of the transfer additions also, starting with Kevin Wigginson, Michigan State transfer committing to Illinois last week. He's got a connection to, uh, to A.J. Dennis. A.J. Dennis, who was committed to Michigan State. Um, when it was announced that Kevin Wigginton was going to go in the portal, A.J. Dennis was sharing some posts on Twitter, you know, trying to recruit him a little bit. But also, Kevin Wigginton is from New Jersey, played at the Hun School, was high school teammates with 
offensive lineman Zach Omeland and tight end Owen Anderson, who are currently at Illinois. So definitely some connections there. Some resources were definitely combed to get Kevin Wigginton the second in tow as well. 6'5", 320 pounds, two years of eligibility remaining, and he will play guard for the Illini. Not sure if it's left or right guard at this point, but um, certainly with Isaiah Adams leaving, that's going to open up an opportunity there. Zy Chrysler could move to uh, either one of those guard spots. He's played both, but some opportunities there for Wigginton to be plugged in right away. Didn't play a lot at Michigan State. Played some in 2022 and then started three games this past season for the Spartans as well. But uh, another big guy and should be able to fit a need rather quickly. But there's probably no bigger need on the offensive line than left tackle. And the Illini got a pretty darn good one out of the portal last week also. That is J.C. Davis, transfer from New Mexico, 6'5", 307 pounds, was first team All-Mountain West in 2023, had a top 20 grade from PFF for pass blocking, an 87.1 grade. Again, one of the top in the country and one of the top tackle targets in the portal. That's a guy you can plug in right now. He's a day one starter at left tackle for Brett Bielema. You're losing a lot of depth on the offensive line, specifically at the tackle spots. He's a guy who's a no-doubter, in my opinion. That is an impact addition. And by the way, he was a two-star recruit out of high school in the class of 2022. And he's worked his way up to being one of the more coveted tackle targets in the portal. He commits to Illinois as well. He'll be slotted in there. I gotta believe, health permitting, he is the starting left tackle in 2024. So again, you can read more about those additions also at thechampagneroom.com. That's going to do it for Oski Talk. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, if you like what you hear, go to thechampagneroom.com, listen to previous episodes of the show. You can also download and subscribe to Oski Talk wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on the end of the year, so next week, I'll be doing my mid-year review. Did that in the summer with January through June. This next episode will be... Looking back on some of those major moments, memorable moments from July through December as we prepare for the dawn of a new year. I mentioned the Champagne Room's predictions for 2024. Don't forget about that. Make sure you go to uh, thechampagneroom.com and check those out. Chime in with your own predictions as well. We'll have time, the benefit of time, to see if those came true, see if those were oracles into the future, if we were peering into the crystal ball correctly, or if we were just complete goofs, <laughs> complete idiots, we'll have time to determine that, but uh, make your predictions as well at thechampagneroom.com. You can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Tons of great content every single day. We certainly appreciate your support. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. I'm Drew Pastorek. 
ILL.